0: It's a really bizarre gospel on many levels. I think it's one of the strangest parables that Jesus gives. Last night, uh, we were in the sacristy and Deacon Randy said to me, he's like, I'm glad you're preaching, not me. But I'm not going to preach on the parable. We'll wait till next year. Actually, it's three years. That's even better. I just want to speak on one line. It really stuck out to me and it does every year. And that one line is, you cannot serve both God and Mammon. Jesus tells us we're, ser- we're going to serve something in this life and it would be smart to serve him. Most people try to serve both and you just can't make it work. As he says, you're either going to love one and hate the other or serve one and not be devoted to the other. I did this in seminary. I went kicking and screaming into the seminary. I did not want to go, but I just had to go because it was on my heart. And when I went in, I was like, I'm just going to go and discern marriage or priesthood. That's not what seminaries are designed for. Seminaries are designed for priesthood. And so I was miserable until I finally said, you know what, I need to focus on this, and then if God doesn't want me here, he'll tell me, and then I can move to this. Instead of having a divided heart, we're focused. My original plan, anyway, was to get married, my wife would die, and then I'd become a priest. God had other plans. Anyway, as I speak today... I want you to think about a question. What does God want you to do with your life? Or better yet, how does God want you to use your current life to build up his church? Or as Jesus himself says, who are you serving? To really answer that question today, who are you serving? The Bible says either God or mammon. For you, those, those of you that don't know what mammon is, it's got a lot of connotations. It could be money, it could be materialism, secularism. My word is worldliness. Either you're going to serve the world or you're going to serve God. But worldliness is everywhere. And people just kind of go along with it. As I was praying over the, this, I had two things that popped into my head. The first was in 2013, I was the vocation director and I went to what's called the NCDVD, the National Conference of Diocesan Vocation Directors Conference. It was down in Dallas. And one of the days they had an afternoon that was dedicated to an excursion. They had two excursions. The first one, you could go down to the stockyards and watch the running of the longhorns. And I'm like, well, what is that? And they're like, oh, it's awesome. They bring out all these cattle and they run them through the streets. And I'm like, so they're herding cattle. And they're like, yeah, it's great. And I'm like, I've seen enough of that. I'm gonna go to the other one, because the other one was a tour of the then brand new Dallas Cowboys AT&T billion-dollar stadium. What struck me so much about that stadium was not its grandiose architecture, its billion-dollar price tag. It's it's what it said. It, It was what it was trying to say to the world. And we got that from the tour. They kept saying, this is the largest TV in America. And I'm like, wow. This is the most expensive stadium in America. Who cares? It's a field that sports are played on. But what it was saying is, look at us. Look at how incredible we are. We're America's team. However that happened, who knows? But we're America's team, and we're... Look at us, how amazing we are. That was the first thing that got me thinking about some ideas for this week. And the second thing... I got thinking about the dumbest rap song I've ever heard in my life. I don't know if you've ever heard this song. It was the number one rap song in America in 2017. The number one song. The name of that song is Watch Me Whip. Now what bothers me about rappers is first of all they do is rhyme words and then sometimes they just use words that don't exist. They make up vocabulary. I wanna give you a few lines from this song to see how amazingly stupid it is. Remember, it was the number one song in America in 2017. Here we go. Now watch me whip, kill it. Now watch me nay-nay, okay. Now watch me whip, whip. Now watch me nay-nay, want me do it. Oh, watch me, watch me. Oh, watch me, watch me. Oh, watch me, watch me. Oh, 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 oh. (laughs) It gets better. (laughs) Now break your legs. Break your legs. Tell them break your legs. Break your legs. Now watch me. Bop, bop, bop. Bop, bop, bop. Bop bop bop. Now watch me bop bop. Bop 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 bop. Bop bop bop. What is that? How does that become the number one song in America? What does that say about our culture? I mean, that is like light years away from the Temptations and My Girl. Seriously. Because there were two totally different cultures. Two absolutely and diametrically opposed narratives. The number one line of that song, if you can believe it, is not bop, bop, bop. It is, watch me. He says it 150 times. What does that say about the culture at, at present? They say that art often reflects the culture. It's saying it's all about me. I'm most important, look at me. And that narrative is ruining us. It's ingraining in the heads, especially of our young people. It's all about me. Watch me, look at me, see me. For years we've been slowly moving away from the nuclear family to the autonomous self. We're becoming islands and we weren't made for that. We're creating the image and likeness of God. Three persons, one God, relationship, love, family. And yet we are becoming more and more autonomous. And The devil played the long game on this one, you guys. Now all of this has been on my mind for two reasons. I'm giving you like my little ADHD brain pathway for this weekend. Two reasons. First, I went to see a woman at the Civic Center named Candace Owens. She's a young, conservative, Christian, black woman. And she kind of pulled together everything that I've been thinking about lately and put a label to it. So I want to use a few of her insights. And then second, as she spoke, this quote kept coming to my mind that I heard about 10 years ago, and it has haunted me ever since. This is the quote. St. Lucia of Fatima said this. The decisive battle... Between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan will be fought over marriage and the family. The decisive battle. The world, you guys, wants to tear the family apart. It's what's beneath all of the agendas. It's what undergirds all of the narratives, all of the garbage. What's under it all is destroy the family. Because if you can destroy the family... You destroy society. Listen to what's shouted in the media, what comes to us from Hollywood, the Oscars, the MTV Music Awards. Listen to the narrative. I'm going to give you a few examples of it. It's irresponsible to have too many children. Irresponsible? Trans this, LGBTQ that. This is why the world loves abortion and contraception. This is why the narrative of gender dysphoria is mainstream. If men and women don't know who they are, how can they ever have a family? The going green stuff? Look, yes, take care of the environment. But the fact that I have an F-150 pickup, I'm like a terrible sinner, is ridiculous. And they've been pushing this stuff for decades. And we really haven't done a whole lot about it. If you wanna know the difference between serving God and serving the world, worldly ideology always brings fear. That's how the devil works, is through fear. It all started with global warming. You know, for decades there was these different transitions. First the earth was warming and we need to be more responsible, stop having children because we're gonna overpopulate. We're, we're over consuming and then that kinda just went away. And then the ozone layer came. Remember that? Whatever happened to that? You remember there was this big hole in the ozone? Where did it go? You know what? I looked it up. You know what the answer is, why we don't talk about it anymore? Because America and Europe were so responsible that we stopped the ozone hole from getting any bigger. And we're safe now. The problem with that is that one billion people live in America and Europe. Six billion people live in Africa, Asia, and South America. I don't know if you've ever been to these places. I have. And they didn't go green. In fact, everything that we have that doesn't make code, guess where it goes? To the third world. I I lived in Kenya for five months. We were in Nairobi, the capital city. During the day, towards the end, you had to turn on your lights just so you could see through the smog. You ever heard of the Pacific Island Garbage Patch? It's 620,000 square miles. Overwhelmingly, you know who contributes to that? Asia and Africa. Then we went to global cooling, then we went to acid rain. Remember that? Apparently, though, we've been so responsible that we got rid of it. But Beijing didn't. Calcutta didn't. Nairobi sure as heck didn't. And then we just went to climate change. Now, here's the deal, you guys. I, yes, the environment is important. In fact, it is one of our social justice principles. Did you know that? You know what, it, it is number seven. It's the bottom of the list. You know what number one is? Anybody know what number one is? Anybody? Do you know? Sanctity of human life, good. And by the way, okay, I gotta tell you this story. Totally off topic. But I had the school mass this, this last Thursday. And I, I got up and I was preaching. It was Our Lady of Sorrows. And it was the story of Jesus saying, woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. And I said to the kids, I said, do you, does anybody know where the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. John the Apostle lived after the crucifixion? And I got all types of different answers. None of them were right. The answer I was looking for was Ephesus in Asia, in Turkey. I'm like, there's no way any kid's going to get this. This little girl raises her hand. And I'm like, I looked at her, I said, I will give you $100 if you get this right. Because as a little kid, they're never going to get Ephesus. You know what she said? I said, where did Jesus, or where did the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. John the Apostle live after the crucifixion of Jesus? She said, in the heart of Jesus. And I was like, oh, shit. You guys, that answer is more correct than Ephesus. So I gave her $100. <laughs> Most expensive Mass I've ever attended. But, ma- but back to these issues, right? The environment and the other moral issues. And that's what they are, you guys. I had somebody after at 8.30 Mass say, that was a bit of a political homily, don't you think, Father? No, it's not! They're moral issues. And if you believe this is a political homily, you've already bought into the world, and that's who you're serving. Because once they become political, then the church needs to shut its mouth. Separation of church and state. But if they're moral issues, then we have every right to talk, and we should talk, and we should speak loudly, because we have been quiet for far too long. You know what? The world knows, you guys. The world knows that faith is never destroyed. It's only redirected or replaced. Destroy faith in God. Faith in the sanctity of life. Faith in the power of the family. Replace it with government. Government will become your God. Trust us. We'll take care of you. You don't need him. You need us. This is what drove the welfare system. Let the government help you. Think about what it did to families, you guys. You received more money from the government if the father was out of the house. What did that do? That systematically created fatherless homes. And that was bad for everybody, but it was specifically bad for minorities. In 1960, 5% of black American children entered into the world with a single parent. By 1980, it was 18%. By 2000, it had risen to 33%. And in 2015, it rose to 41%. Almost one in two children in black America is born to a fatherless home. That is catastrophic. I'm not sure who you know who this is, but there was a famous rapper named Tupac. Tupac was uh, murdered by other rappers, and then some other rappers murdered. It was a mess. There was a lot of... Blood and, But he said this once. I know for a fact that if I had a father, I would have had more discipline and I would have had way more confidence. Children that grow up without fathers are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. And we have created a fatherless generation. And then on top of that, if that's not enough, To kill the family? Let's attack masculinity now, too. Strong men are toxic. Which makes no sense to me, because then the world flips around and says, Hey, women, you should be men. If we're so toxic, why do you want to be us? Everything is a mess, no doubt right now. But what the worldly ideology, what worldliness is attacking more than ever and what you need to protect more than ever is the family. And you buy into any of this garbage, if you buy the lies, even some of them, it will, I promise you, it will destroy your family. That's what it was made to do. So who do you serve? God? God? Or the world. You can't serve both. One brings peace, trust, surrender, clarity. The other brings fear, anxiety, and chaos. This is the decisive question. This is the decisive battle.